Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hello there, sorry to interrupt. I wanted to let you know that you can now join our supporting cast over on Patreon. As thanks for your support, you'll be able to help us pick films, submit questions for guests, have first pick on brand new and exclusive merch, and much more. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Hello and welcome back to Fighting on Film. This week we have a film chosen by our wonderful supporting cast over on Patreon. We're going to be looking at 1988's The Beast, a film that gives the sort of um, Russian perspective of the the war in Afghanistan, uh, well, the Russian war in Afghanistan. It's a really interesting film, and I'm so glad that the patrons picked this one. And mm. if you guys want to get involved, um, support the show, and also each month pick a film for us to uh, take a look at, then heading over to Patreon and taking a look at the perks we have over there is a great way to do it. Yeah, and it, I mean, this one's been a long time coming. I know we've had a lot of emails on our search but the request feature on our website we yeah, had this one come yeah. up a lot um, and we knew that it would be one that would be quite well received we've got this big like part of war films and we stick them into like a generator don't we like a little yeah. wheel thing and we just click a mm. button and let it choose four random films it's the fairest way um, and when this came out of the hat we were like all oh, all oh, the beast nice sometimes sometimes you know what's going to win like the know, four right? that come out yeah you just have a feeling i mean sometimes we theme them we Sometimes do. we have a little theme um, and we pick a couple that we have been meaning to do. Probably need to do some chivalry and swords soon. Um, yeah, we do. I had, an, had another uh, <laughs> comment about, about us not having done any chivalry and swords the other day. And I was like, hands up, you're completely on the money. We have been remiss. Yeah. Um, but we haven't forgotten. <laughs> well, we were going to do Ironclad and then it didn't get picked because we were really looking forward to doing it. 
and then mm. it didn't get picked on the Patreon pick, and we were like, oh no, <laughs> we thought it'd be like, here you are, here's what you asked for, we warned you, we don't know anything about medieval times, we warned you, it'd be worth it just to riff off uh, of Paul Giamatti going, England is men! Oh my god, iconic. Iconic. That that scene is amazing. It's it great. goes all we, in. Anyway, that's, that, that's yeah, not the film we're that's covering. That's the future. Yeah, that's yeah. future foff. Come on. It is. It is. I'll I'll kick off with production, then you can jump in with Castrop. Um, Without a doubt. Why not? Directed by Kevin Reynolds, perhaps best known as the, the writer of 1984's Red Dawn, which has some um, real links with this film, obviously yeah. in subject matter. Um, director of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, that that childhood classic that, good that one. is on every Christmas in the 90s. Um, Waterworld. Love is true. Everything I do. <laughs> I do it for anyway, um, Director of uh, The Cat Monte Cristo in 2002, which I thought was a quite a good adaptation with uh, Guy Pearce. Um, Didn't see it. Pretty good. Um, produced by uh, Gil Friesen. Uh, the film was edited by Peter Boyle, who worked on those 1970s Musketeers film, Musketeers films, which I always loved as a kid. Um, also worked on Waterworld and Robin Hood. There's, there's a kind of a link coming in here, yeah, isn't there? There's some there's some uh, Waterworld, um, Robin Hood links definitely. Um, cinematography was by Douglas Milsom, who had an incredible career, starting out with working as a camera op on The Guns of Navarone. Uh, Barry Lyndon, uh, Barry Lyndon, uh, worked on The Last of the Mohicans, uh, and he did the cinematography for Full Metal Jacket, and of course that seminal uh, film from Jean Claude Van Damme, The Legionnaire. That that small Kubrick movie, <laughs> you know, yeah. No, um, to to be fair though, we need to do both Full Metal Jacket and of Legionnaire. We do. Of course we yeah. do. Um, but it's just it. I'm going to talk about it later on because it's my it forms the crux of my final thoughts. But gosh, like his cinematography just Beautiful. elevates Beautiful. his movie. Mm. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. That opening to sequence watch. pans yeah. across those the, the dogs, the wild dogs. Oh, it's so nice. It, it's gorgeous, and the sun. And, and I, yeah, you know, everything is um, just beautiful. Yeah. The film is based on a play, uh, Nana Wate, written by William Mastro Simon or Mastro Simon, which comes from uh, Pashtu. Uh, and it means, uh, I think it means mercy. Uh, yes. And it's essentially, um, it's explained in the film what this means. Um, obviously, when the screenplay was developed, they went with a more um, attention-grabbing name. Initially, it was going to be released as The Beast of War, which in some markets, it was released as The Beast of War. Mm. Um, but in others, it was released solely as The Beast. Uh, and apparently, Master Simon travelled to Afghanistan in 1981 and spent a week, eight days, with Mujahideen um, after seeing a documentary about the, the war in Afghanistan in 1980. So he travelled over there, spent a week with them, and then spent another couple months in uh, wow. Pakistan putting the play together. And the play had its uh, debut in LA in 1985 which I think was around the time it was optioned as a screenplay. And it, it just got picked up. Uh, it was The film was filmed in Israel, which we'll talk about more when we come to the Ali Tally, because there's, there's a lot to talk about I'll right there. Going on. Yeah. Um, and it took about 10 weeks to film. It wasn't a massive box office success. Uh, 
the figures that are online say it made under two hundred thousand dollars, which it, obviously from uh, just box office receipts, that's not great considering the film had a budget of around eight million. But yeah. it's definitely since then become one of those cult classics. Uh, so it may have made a lot of that back on VHS rentals, DVD sales, etc., etc., etc. But no figures for that. I I will say it now. I really enjoyed it. Oh, so I, I don't know how it, yeah. it buried at the box office. I can understand why it's a cult classic, but I think mm. it's it's one of those very annoying films where you're like, oh, just a few changes, perhaps, and I don't know where, but a few changes somewhere, and this could have been a smash. This really could have cleaned up. Maybe if they'd had a big name attached I, to it. I kind of feel that in a way, but then I don't really feel that because I think everyone is I think does a great is, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, I agree. It's something going on somewhere. Like it, it feels like maybe it wasn't marketed properly, or mm. I don't know. Perhaps sensitivity about the war that was going on already. I don't know because it, it comes out in a weird time. Because you know the, the war in Afghanistan is winding down in '88. It's not going very well for the Russians. It hasn't been for a long time. Like you know the regime at home's crumbling. It perhaps they you know they could have maybe made more of that, or maybe they thought it might hurt them. Maybe I don't know. It's a weird. I don't know. One, isn't it? I, it's it, yeah, yeah. I couldn't mm. see any reason behind that, but no, there we me are. neither. But it's you know proper cult. And before we move on, you can you can get this on DVD if you can find it online. Um, I, I got mine in a charity shop. I was quite lucky. Um, I I snatched this up the minute I saw it. I, yeah, I saw it and we watched it together. Of, we did, yeah. What rare? Well, this is one of the first times I think me and Matt have watched yeah. a film for the for the pod together, which was quite cool. In the same room, that is anyway. Same room, yeah. Not over yeah, like we've watched things online together, but we've like weird never actually been in party the same room. viewing app thing we've got that doesn't quite work. <laughs> trying to trying to sync up exactly where we are oh, in the yeah. film is a nightmare. One thing I will say before we do cast is um, it, obviously it came out in the exact same year as Rambo Three, which is yeah, a much it, more bombastic, larger profile uh, movie about um, the Russian war in Afghanistan, the Russian invasion of Afghanistan. Um, so perhaps I don't know. Perhaps it got lost within the Rambo Three. Yeah, maybe um, that's a point. Or maybe people thought, "Oh, I've seen Rambo Three. I know what's going on in Afghanistan. I don't yeah. need to watch this film." Or maybe, maybe the studio thought, "Well, there's no point us pushing this." Or perhaps, it, which is, you know, that doesn't make a great deal of sense either, because often studios will push a similar film. Um, but just before we move on to cast, you can rent this one on YouTube, Google Play, Amazon Prime, and there's a very expensive Blu-ray, unattainable, I think like £100 or something online. Stupid money. Um, I bet but, it'd be worth it, you know. I, I bet, I mean, I bet, the, I bet yeah. the cinematography would be the crispy. people have clipped from YouTube and put on of the HD rip look fantastic. Um, so yeah, I would have mm. loved to see this in HD. But anyway. I'd um, like to see it in a cinema. That would oh, be yeah. amazing. Amazing. I mean, it's you know what the cinematography would be made for. Um, but yeah, please go and get it. Please watch it if you can. But anyway, cast this week, um, we have George Zunzer um, as Commander Tank Boy Descal. And he's a German-born American film and TV actor. His family um, emigrated to New York in the 50s after the Second World War. Um, one of his earliest film roles was playing John Welsh in 1978's The Deer Hunter. Um, in 1984, he appeared in the Dudley Moore, Eddie Murphy military comedy Best Defence, which is in the sort of vein of Pentagon Wars. It's about a tank designer. I've never then- seen it. Yeah, they threw Eddie Murphy. What an interesting combination. Yeah, it's a Dudley Moore film, and then apparently it scanned badly with audiences, and then they cut in Eddie Murphy as like a parallel storyline, and he doesn't meet any of the cast. It sounds insane. We need to watch it. We need to review it. 
that that's that sounds like a fever dream. Oh, wow. Um, and he also starred alongside Denzel Washington and George Hackman. Uh, and Jean- George Hackman. Jesus. George, pa- George Hackman. George Hackman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Famously wore just... fedoras in his films. Not <laughs> yeah, like George Hackman. <laughs> the Belgian Connection. <laughs> Amazing film. Uh, and he starred alongside uh, Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman in 1995's The Crimson Tide. Um, it does, other credits include playing Sergeant Max Greenlee in the first season of Law and Order, and he had voice work on uh, Animaniacs, uh, Batman, the animated series, and he also voiced uh, jo- uh, Sergeant Platt in 2004's Shellshock Vietnam 67 um, for the PlayStation 2. Oh, cool. Nice. Which is one of my all-time favourite games um, from yeah. that era. And I thought, I know that voice. I know that voice. Yeah. And it was only when we watched The Beast that I had to look it up after. I was like, he's, he's in Shellshock. Amazing little connection there. Um, linking my past to my present. Amazing. So then we have uh, Jason Patrick as Konstantin Korvichenko, and he rose to prominence playing the lead in the 1987 horror of The Lost Boys. So he's fresh off like breakthrough stardom coming on this film. Mm, mm. Um, other roles include Lieutenant Gatewood in 1993's Geronimo, an American legend. I know you like that film, Matt. Good film, yeah. We covered it in a show and tell why back. Mm. Um, in 2004, he played Colonel Jim Bowie in The Alamo, uh, the Disney one that flopped. Um, if you want to go and listen to someone who worked on that movie. I, I like that version. It's good, yeah. That's a, that's, it's a good film. Mm. Charles Maines, oh. we did an interview with the sound designer of that film. Go back and listen to that. That's a really good chat. Um, but And uh, Jason Patrick himself uh, is also on the list of actors who recorded scenes for The Thin Red Line, but were cut from the final edit. And the list of, of, of people who were cut from that movie is insane. I've just got a small little section from it. So not only did Jason Patrick get cut, Adrian Brody got cut, Gary Oldman got cut, mm-hmm. George Clooney got cut as well. And that's not even all of them. Wow. Amazing. Um, then we have uh, Stephen Bauer as Khan Taj. He's like a, a Mujahideen fighter. Um, and he's a Cuban-born American actor who is probably most famous for playing Manny, um, Al Pacino's sidekick in, uh, in uh, Scarface. Um, if you know, mm. if you know, you know. Um, in terms of war films, though, uh, he appeared in the Behind Enemy Lines threequel, Behind Enemy Lines Columbia, as General Valles. Um, which oh wow! Behind incredible. Enemy Lines month is going to be lit. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, no, stop threatening all these bizarre months. <laughs> You're going to damage the metric. <laughs> How dare you? Other roles include playing the drug lord Ruente in Breaking Bad, and then he reprised the role in Better Call Saul. And he's also been on like tons of American TVs, um, CSI, Hawaii Five O, Cold Case, Law and Order. Really prolific. Mm. Uh, then we have Eric Avery as Samad. He's the uh, tank crew's Afghan interpreter. I love him in this. He's really Great. good, isn't it? Really good. An uh, Indian-born actor who's worked extensively on American TV and film projects. His role in The Beast is one of his earliest roles. Um, his credits include the 90s remake of McCurl's Navy. He's in The Mummy, Planet of the Apes, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Uh, TV and stage work is extensive. I could go on for hours. It's so much. And he also, another video game connection, uh, he voiced Master Rahul in the uh, Destiny video game franchise, which is a nice uh, little thing. Yeah. Then on to Stephen Baldwin as Antoly uh, Golikov. And he's one of the Baldwin brothers. Made his film debut in The Beast. It's his first big project. Um, uncredited in Casualties of War in 1989. He also appeared on in Born of uh, in Born of on the 4th of July in the same year. Uh, and he also appeared uh, in The Usual Suspects in 1995. And he played Barney Rubble in Viva Rock Vegas in 2000. 
the holy uh, shit he did wow. the awful that well, i say awful that but i enjoyed it when i was little um because it's yeah, weird you, i don't know I was, back was, to back was, everyone changes because yeah. no one came back from the first film <laughs> oh it's so funny i watched it when i was little and i was like that's not john goodman <laughs> who played oh yeah rick moranis oh and john yeah. goodman then it's mark yeah. addy and stephen baldwin Oh my god, it is, yeah. Oh god. Anyway, moving on from that bombshell. And then rounding out the tank crew, we have Donald Patrick Harvey as Kaminsky, and the Beast is his fifth credit. So a lot of these actors are quite young, apart from uh, George mm-hmm. uh, Zander. Zander. And um, when they're coming into this, uh, he played Corporal Clark in Casualties of War in 1989. So there's a connection between him and Baldwin. Um, he was a mercenary in Men in War, the Dolph Lundgren film from 1994. He appeared in the 1995 Tank Girl adaptation and he was Sergeant Becker in The Thin Red Line. So he didn't get cut, but, you know, Jason Patrick did. <laughs> a bit mean. Um, and on TV, he's just had so many small roles in uh, American film and TV. It's another list you could go on. But, uh, you know, Miami Vice, NYPD Blue, Yellowstone, Pam and Tommy. He's been he's been in a lot. Um, and then we have uh, Shoshi uh, Marciano as uh, Sharina. She's one of, she's the main uh, afghan uh, woman who has her sort of band of r- rebels who are all women yeah her fiance uh is killed in the in the village sequence isn't yeah she? and she wants revenge yeah and they you know they they um they bring their jihad but in a completely different way it's it's quite it's quite nice there's a parallel they do doing the same yeah. thing um but they're all sort of on parallel lines it's, it's a good it's almost like a road movie at times because they all have their own journey it's interesting mm. um but she's a, she only has a small credit list, and I couldn't find much about her online, but she's been in, in mainly Israeli productions, uh, including 1984's The Little Drummer Girl, Iran Days of Crisis, and she had one appearance in an episode um, of the early 90s detective drama Tropical Heat, which sounded quite good, um, but I'd never heard of it. Um, and then we have Dale Dye as an uncredited role as a Russian helicopter yep. door gunner, and he was also the film's military advisor. He was um, indeed. He is, yeah. And he said about this, uh, working on the film on the Warriors Inc. website. I was also less than impressed by the tanks I'd seen in earlier films. They were too clean, obviously carefully and lovingly protected specimens from someone's collection of war relics. That's not the way the tank looks in combat, as any veteran will tell you. And I was determined that our tanks would not look like museum relics. They had the right look, and I believe the crews performed extremely well on camera. Yeah, apparently he negotiated the purchase of them with the uh, the idf it's incredible isn't it that, that i just i could read i i wish dale does a book the warriors inc like magnum yeah. opus oh, book yeah dale needs to do a book that's for sure i mean so influential yeah any listener of the show just go on the warriors inc website and click it click the projects worked on section and just have a read because there's so many great anecdotes from on set mm. um it's amazing really is um and yeah, and then we have a retro review, moving on. It comes from the LA Times from Michael Wilmington, September 16th, 1988. And I'll read you his uh, conclusion. He says, The Beast is no anti-war movie, but it isn't a jingoistic bloodbath either. It's a battle movie in some ways to war stupidity. Oh, it's a battle movie alert in some ways to war stupidity. To the cycle of waste and futility it represents, the destructive happenstance and fumbling bloodiness it usually generates, and the house of the beast it kills or dies. I would say it's an anti-war movie, wouldn't you? I think it is. 
Yeah. It's it's a little bit of a propaganda piece, that's for sure. It's um, it's a mixture. It's an odd mixture of propaganda. It's like on the button culturally at the time, and it's anti-war, mm. but then it's pro-Mujahideen. But mm-hmm. then I think 10 years later, you know, it wouldn't... It's 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 very time capsule. I yeah, much it's like, like Rambo, Rambo 3. 3 is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not Ninth Company. It isn't that level of propaganda, because that is a... Oh, my God, that's a, like, you know, Russian state propaganda, basically, Ninth yeah, Company. Yeah. It was, although it's a very good film, you know, piece of cinema, it's good, but it, it's overarching mm. messages... Mm. We were correct to do what we did in Afghanistan, whereas this movie is pretty much no, <laughs> unequivocally no. We need to cover it because I have not seen that film in what quite a long time. Wrong. I, it's, it's a I can't like, remember the details it's of it. It's Russian full metal jacket with a big battle at the hmm. end. I think that's the best way to describe it because you follow the chaps from there getting their conscription to being in Afghanistan. It's it's a very hmm. big jo- journey of a movie. You can't wait for the version of that from Ukraine. Oh, I know, right. That's going to be fun. Yeah. The, um, well, the, we'll get them. Yeah. You know, we'll get them. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Um, but it's a it's an interesting film. So I think maybe we should get your opinion because every week we ask for your one word reviews and we love to get them. Um, if you're on the Twitter, they go up every uh, Monday or Sunday before we record. And at Fighting got, on Film. At Fighting on Film on Twitter. Yeah, please do follow us. And we had another bumper response. There's 140 odd likes, 53 replies. Um, we love it when you guys get involved. It means a lot to us. So uh, Tom Petch, who we talked to last week, uh, he says, Sweaty. Battle design goes with superb film. In Kikuchi from the Imperial War Museum goes with RPG Kaboom Tank. Um, three words, but he did join them with dots, so I'll take it. Um, probably the nearest 90, uh, 1980s Afghanistan war film can get to bring up the pit. Uh, Lance Nielsen says, Excellent. Andy Moody goes with Enfield. Kevin Getz says, Anti-Rambo. And Harry Webb goes with great film. Positive reactions this week. And a few people, admittedly, you hadn't seen it. Um, and mm. I can completely understand. Because um, it's it's kind of, it's cult and it's rare. And I don't think it's on TV very often. So um, I can f- fully understand no, if you haven't seen no, it. No, I, I can't remember the last time I saw it on UK listings anyway. This feels like it would have been on Movie Drone back in the day. Or it would have yeah, been yeah. like Saturday movies night. Movies for men movie. Yeah, yeah. Movies for men. The great movies channels over here need to get it. They do, man. Yeah, I'm sure it's cheap. <laughs> I'm sure it's cheap to to uh to to license. Maybe we should license it. Maybe we should create a maybe fight we need film a TV streaming channel. Maybe that's it. Mm. There's, there's too many streaming services anyway. So a you know a fairly decent. We might as well throw another one in the hat. Independent yeah. more movie show should have one. <laughs> I bankrupt my family by buying licenses to war movie properties. Why not? My um, family can't eat. Why? Because I keep buying the licenses to obscure war movies. <laughs> Please, somebody attack. help me. I can't bounce the books. <laughs> I've mortgaged the house trying to buy the rights to nine men. Help me. I'm, I need help. There's a there's a Bill Nye British film to be made of us trying to get the, the rights to nine men. And and I, I, just, I just go insane and start fashioning clothes out of old lobby cards. <laughs> So maybe uh, we should offer all that hilarity. We should move on to the alley tally. It's time for alley tally on fighting on film. What's your pick this week, Rob? 
Well, there's a, there's a hell of a lot in there. I just like seeing the Mujahideen on camera, like in anything. They just mm-hmm. fascinate me as a force um, historically. Mm. Um, you know, obviously they were, yeah, they were a rebellion. They were an insurgency force, um, and, and they had you know a wild amount of kit given to them throughout the eighties mm-hmm. and early late seventies. So in this, they, they run around with AKs. They sort of personalized with beads and then bits of like you know uh like weaving like the stock and things like that um yeah yeah a very Afghan said, thing to do and very it was Afghan. impressive that they included it in this it was nice um good mise en scene i think your word there excellent mise en scene. Uh, smles as you as well with bandoliers and single mm-hmm. rounds and no stripper clips i love that um in the 80s obviously as i said they were supplied by a lot of people and a lot of different equipment but the mi6 actually supplied the the mujahideen with short magazine the enfield that they they bought and then they bought ammunition from Indian stores and their own stores. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I love. I, why did we get a film like that? There's Charlie Wilson's War, but surely there's got to be like a right a one shot drama yeah. about an MI6 agent like trying to trying to buy up all of SMLEs in India. Yeah, like, like the handing them handing out SMLEs and blowpipes. Like. <laughs> yeah, blowpipes, blowpipe missiles. <laughs> yeah, incredible. Um, but no, and, and again, they've got you know recordless rifles that are clearly you know. Uh, sort of supplied by the cia things like that there's no um there's no stingers in this but they have rpgs um you know they look really good as i say the costume department spot on um i had no idea that it was manny out of scarface until i looked at the credits because yeah. he looks good got those aviators on hasn't he so looks great yeah i know that's another chap that's their sort of oh it's the, yeah, it's the other chap that the chap that talks to uh, jason patrick isn't it yeah that's it that's right yeah yeah um but but but, but uh, although the 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 leader of the the more the the actual like group of mushadeen that arrived at the village after the attack, their drip is insane. Oh, immaculate! They look they're looking great. Like yeah, like, yeah. Uh, like mm. fatigues, packholes, aviators. Yeah, even down to like um you know captured not captured sorry, but even down to like little little like two liter motorbikes to get around. Like you see that yeah, stuff yeah little BSAs well. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And and it's that just things you see that you don't really see in other war movies from from a, like a film point of view that. Like they're, they're hit and run style tactics, you know, sort of shoot and scoot stuff. You don't really see mm-hmm. that a lot, and and I think this is where the cinematography of this movie really comes into play because it shows yeah. you the vastness of the the plains and the dips and the, the sort of the valleys and, and everything else that the that the you know Israel had, but it's you know trying to be Afghanistan. But then it, it echoes that footage that you see from BBC News reports of the time. You know, there's a very famous uh, PBS documentary that was about the Afghans. Obviously, it's like a, it's a Cold War proxy war. You know, America are fighting a nation without directly fighting them. Um, so they're just doing a lot of things you don't see in war movies. And it's all in the background. If you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. But it's it really evokes the look of the, the period, the look of that war. It's got. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's a very, you know, there aren't any pitch battles. It's kind of like Vietnam, but different. Um, I really enjoyed yeah. the, how yeah, the there, film there is... does this. The film does have an authentic feel to it in a, in a lot of ways. Um, mm. A couple of things that I, I noticed that there's uh, Giselles, which are very characteristic of that region. Um, they're the long, uh, historically flintlock muskets yes. um, that are used by um, Afghan tribesmen. Um, mm. There's a great part in that opening sequence in the village where a chap throws a Molotov into a tank, destroys the tank, and then um, comes face to face with, I think it's Jason Patrick. Yeah, um, yeah. And he, and he aims he aims the Giselle at him, and he fires, but it doesn't go off because there's no flint in his lock. Um, I think he's fucking with him. There's all he? sorts in there. A little bit, yeah. He, yeah, he, he's badly wounded anyway. Yeah, but there's there's lots of stuff in in there that, um, that you blink and you miss it. There's uh, a young lad with a an Enfield number two revolver. Um. There's Makarovs, there's TT-33s, there's a Dushka mounted on the Beast, the tank, um, which is actually a Browning M2, 50 caliber. Yeah, some nice mock-ups. Um, it's not a bad mock-up, but you, you can definitely tell that the difference is identifiable. Mm. There's one of the, the Afghan tribesmen has a uh, Israeli file. Um, which oh, really? Didn't notice. Is, is, yeah, it's interesting. Um and you mentioned earlier the the recallless rifle, the B10 up on the hill. Um, I'll talk about that in my favourite scenes because I I yeah. love that village sequence. It's the great. The only thing they didn't um, have, and I wish they'd had it, was a sequence where the Mujahideen fighters like used a a flat surface just to fire rockets off of with no, like no barrels or anything because that's quite an iconic mm. thing I've seen. And I wish they'd done mm-hmm. that. That'd have been cool at the end if they'd have had, you know, when the RPG breaks, I thought, oh, they're going to line up all the RPG yeah, rounds yeah. and they're going to fire them, like, without any, like, aiming system um, like they used to do. Sure. Um, that'd have been cool. Because um, it was a very ad hoc um, thing, wasn't it, the way they fought? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's a classic insurgency, uh, guerrilla warfare, making do with what they had. Mm. Uh, what else have we not mentioned? The tank itself... Of course, is can't really interesting. The, the beast, the beast. We, we've itself. neglected to mention the beast. Um, we always do which it on was this the show. We pick out some random ass shit, and we forget the elephant <laughs> in the room, which this week is a huge fucking T fifty five. Yeah. So the tank's cool because it's got some features that you don't expect. It has a flamethrower mounted, which there were T fifty fives that had flamethrowers, mm. but not where this one projects it from. But it's a cool scene. Yeah. Um. So this one, as we mentioned, was, you know, it, it belonged to the IDF um, and, and the, the production bought the tank for the film. It had originally been captured during, I think, the Stay War, um, possibly Syrian. Uh, and the, the Israelis had upgraded it to a TI-67 spec, which was right. a slightly improved version. Um, I heard it was it was an Egyptian then, one. one it of could have been. Egyptian. could have been Egyptian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Could have been Egyptian. Um 
the only other thing in the film is the the, the mocked up um mi8 that's cool which it's is a french a, school uh, ski yeah yeah, yeah it's it's a, an air special uh, sa321 super feral okay Ferelin. right yeah it looks good enough um, i wouldn't know Exactly. Exactly. If you're not a helicopter like nerd, then you. We had a listener pointed it out immediately, and I loved it. I was like, "That's fantastic knowledge," just to get that off the dome. Fantastic. Um, But going back to the tank, there, there's some good stuff on Warriors Inc. um, About did you did you have this about the the barrel? No, go for it, mate. Okay, cool. Um, Listen, going back to that tank because it's it is really like you know a character in itself. Um, So. Mm. There's a great bit on Warriors Inc. with Dale Dye talking about how they trained. So they found the remote area of the Sinai Desert and he was training them in like how to get out of a tank when it's under under fire and you need to get out, how you crew it, everything else. He was really going for it. Mm. He had a, a ex-Marine with him as well that they used in the previous movie. And he was he talks about getting annoyed at how in movies that tanks aren't represented properly. And, and when uh, rounds are fired, barrels don't move and, and the tanks don't shake. Yeah. You can tell it's like a charge. So he wrote um, how he made the firing in the movie look as accurate as he could. So he says, I finally came up with a mock 90 millimeter cannon round that would make the recoil system of the tank function. We fired a projectile with a quantity of water that equaled the weight of a normal HE round and sealed the round with the wax behind a normal primer and a small amount of powder. When the powder detonated, the recoil system sensed the weight and resisted the weight of the water and the recoil system functioned. All that came out of the muzzle was a spray of water, smoke and steam, but with the tank rocked as if it had fired a live round. It does look good. It really does. It does does look good. Yeah, it does. And it's also the way how the way that they film inside is all claustrophobic. These tanks, Mm. it looks hella old as well. Like all the dials that yeah. they were made in, like, you know, they genuinely were made like two decades prior to the, the movie being mm-hmm. made. But there's just a look to these tanks. Like it's it's not comfortable inside. It's rough, ready. Yeah. It, it, it Russian kit is just whenever any Russian kit I've ever owned, like it just feels like it's just knocked up in an afternoon. There's a real sort of ruggedness and, and realism to the tank that I don't For think it's even, filthy. Yeah, it's filthy I mean, as well throughout the whole thing. It is filthy. Yeah, they all are. And they go from looking kind of like they've rolled out of a base and they've been in a column for a few hours perhaps to being mm. really disheveled, really dirty. I think uh, Kolokov, uh, Kon- no, sorry, what's his bloody name? Um, That's uh, Korv- Korvachenko, sorry. I think he has a wash ah. in, in a stream. Well, they have a wash at one point and then they look okay, but then they go they quickly go back to being very disheveled. Um yeah, I really like that. It's it's not clean. It's what Fury got right. You know, Fury made these guys dirty. It made them feel lived in. The tanks like a. It's home. just good mise en scène, isn't it? Very good. Yeah, exactly. The set design is and the set dressing is fantastic. Mm. Oh, I was going to ask you one thing. Can you fix RPGs with bits of SMLEs? Um. So we. That's a really interesting scene. So, we, uh, Jason Patrick's character takes the RPG, takes off the um, pistol grip and trigger mech. And he has a look inside, and it looks like the lock spring or the lock plate's broken um, because it doesn't it doesn't cock. So mm. with it with an RPG, um, you manually cock the action. There's a little hammer just behind the, the pistol grip, like a revolver. You pull it back, that cocks the action, and then when you pull the trigger, that that hits the um, that ignites the rocket basically. Um, and 
in the, in that in that scene, he takes the the rear sight from a SMLE. Um, so I don't know. I watched it really closely before we, you know, recorded began mm. recording, and I, I wanted to see if I could see which part of the rear sight base he'd taken. Um, but it's too dark, and he kind of his hands are in the way. Yeah, and he he does it very quickly, and there's not a lot to a, a Lee Enfield rear sight. No, it's just there's a, not. Um, like a like a um, flips out tangent. Yeah. yeah, and so. I'm not entirely sure what he took from it in order to to make the lock work again, but he kind of just slips it in without yeah. I making know it's any a real MacGuffin alteration like to the part. Proper MacGyver's it, doesn't he? You know? Yeah. Um, but I, I perhaps it's just perhaps fascinating. He just needed like a little shim to to, yeah, to get maybe. the spring into yeah. position or something a bit like of that. Metal. Yeah. It's, it's a very robust mechanism, so it, there's there's reason it couldn't be possibly no, fixed exactly. in the field with yeah. with something that would work. Within I like how they are, um, but it's really interesting that you did it. Yeah, I, mm. I just and then that's another thing as well. Like they're very powerful. Like they have this aura around them because it's the only thing that these mujahideen have to fight against the tanks. Yeah. So they treat them like yeah. they're really important. And, and a guy fires one out of hand while he's trying to look at like sort of a firing mechanism, and he shoots one into a yeah, he's into trying to work like, out how it works. Yeah, yeah, into the wall of like a like a bit of rock a rock face. Um, and the other guys look at him as if to go like, "What are you doing? Like, we've only got a few of them. Like, we've only got a few of them mm-hmm. rounds. Like, I love it. Um, I just, I like there's the way the weapons are treated. There's some great close-ups of it where you can see the the rubber mold, the oh, same yeah. lines on the on the <laughs> RPG warhead, yeah. the PG sevens. It's the red um, RPG. I really like a bit that. Of pipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the RPGs in Red Dawn are a valiant effort, but they're they're way off the mark. This is they're perhaps one of the best representations of it an RPG good. being fired because it because yeah. it is an RPG being fired. It's an mm. actual RPG being fired. They just put like a dummy warhead on it. Yeah, yeah. Um The only other thing that occurs to me within the sphere of this is the crew are in with that are armed with uh, AKMS mm-hmm. rather than AK seventy fours. So oh, they're okay. on with 7.62 AKs with the folding stocks rather than uh, AKS yeah. 74s, which would have been I've what seen... the Russians used. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think because I mean it's beyond not beyond the realm's possibility, but I think it's just isn't it like it's what they've got. Yeah, well, I just the, thought it's the, what they'd the, have. Um, the Soviet-backed Afghan forces all used AKMs and AKSs. Right. Okay. So, so they would have had 7.62 AKs mm. definitely, um, but Russian forces predominantly had. They probably would have had um, AKS seventy fours right tank crews. I think. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah. It's nice to see. I don't know why it is with the tank film, but any film where someone gets out of a tank with their crew weapon, I just I love seeing it. I don't know why. It's like a little trope. It's like my own little trope. I'm like, oh, we're gonna see a crew weapon. I don't know why that's so cool to me, but it yeah. just is. I've just got something about They're doing it. the thing. They do, yeah, yeah. They've got their crew weapons out. <laughs> it's like it's like in Fury where they like gear up. For the for the attacker, they're all like sorted out their oh, grease oh, guns. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. get some grease yeah. action. Well, that leads us nicely into favorite scenes because my what my favorite scene in this film is actually the opening. I think. There's a lot of great scenes in this mm. film. And it's it's a strong film in terms of scenes and um, performances. 
but that village assault is a great set piece you get yeah. you get a uh, a platoon of tanks four tanks um and it really establishes the ruthlessness of the soviets um there's that great bit with the recoilless rifle up on the hill the guy trying to um fire down onto the tanks um and he's manning it on his own so he can't reload quickly and mm. it's covered in dust and it's dirty and he can't get the action open there's a really lot of nice fake little details with killing tanks in this movie it really mm. fakes it out a lot i do like i like that it's got a good fake out in a movie where you're like oh he's got one mm. and he hasn't oh no you're toast now mate yes, yeah because like it does that. look like he hit doesn't it and mm. it's just the sand yeah. and the dust as it, as it clears like the yeah yeah um and i love i love how vicious the soviets are and they dismount and they have their ak's as you mentioned um and they they're ruthless they they shoot down anyone who pops out the buildings they shoot mm. some goats a guy yeah, fires um poor goats getting RPGs. a blank fire yeah, shot at them <laughs> they shit themselves don't they i was um, trying to work out how they did the dead goat i was like did they did they pile the goats around like a well, like a hump don't goats of... fall over when they're startled oh yeah i've heard that Maybe that's what happened. Stunt goat. Yeah. I'm not a goat expert. That, that's a stunt goat. on film man. is not yeah. a, a goat expert. Um, we're not goat experts. We're not goat experts. Um, but the guy fires an RPG-7 at uh, like a mosque building. Mm. Like a, it, There's a lot of imagery going on here. It, it, you know, mm. definitely. Mm. Mm. I'll shock to, to quite an partridge. Can I shock you? Um, I also like this scene and it is my favourite scene. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's great. I like the, the beast. Guy... <laughs> the guy with the Molotov like, just comes out of nowhere yeah. and throws a Molotov down. And the screams from inside the tank, very visceral. Yeah. Brilliant. Jason Patrick's trying to get in to like help his, his crewmates get out, but there's no way he just can't do it. Um and then there's then there's that sequence of the the you know the, the Afghan is pulled by the, the Russians over to the other it's tank. And... It's a brutal opener. Like, it's everything you yeah. need to set you up. They like... say, put him underneath the tracks, and he drags himself underneath the tracks. Yeah, like an absolute boss. He's going out on his own terms. Mm. I love that. There's mm. no, you know, no, um, no relent. Grizzly. Don't relent to the invader. You know, I'm going to resist you to the yeah. end. You know, I'm, I want you to be yeah, crushing me, I've... but it's my choice. You know, yeah, no Russian will leave Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, it's cold. Every, everyone's doing exactly says, what they should do great. to set you up. Um, and it's a nice I, set piece. I think that scene's really good because it it's affecting for both us, the viewer, but also you can see the visible effect that it has on Jason Patrick's character as well, mm. which obviously plays out in that he he eventually it's too much for him to bear. Yeah, following Descal's orders. Although, and, I, although I do, I. I See, I know that what the movie's trying to do is trying to make you emotionally mm. emotionally attached to one of the Russians because obviously you couldn't just have it. Well, you might do it now. A brave director might have done it then, um, where they yeah. were all thoroughly unlikable. But I still have mm. a problem in my head. You still drive the tank forward. You could have said no. Still, it does you still did it? It does. And I know you got mm. you know you got tank boy holding your hair, being like forward. You have no choice. Yeah. You did have a choice, and you still took it. So I think still think you're an arsehole at the end of the film. I don't yeah, think you're. Yeah, well, that gives the character some complexity yeah. and, and you know a, mm. a bit of meat, doesn't it? But the movie doesn't he's... even absolve him because he gets dragged out of yeah. the country on a helicopter, dejected because he found some friends and they happen to be the enemy. 
Yeah, well, he kind of makes the choice, doesn't he? He decides to go with them. So he takes mm. off like the, the Afghan jerkin that he's wearing, and he takes the Giselle with him, and then he yeah. sort of gets onto the winch of the the helicopter, and and it's yeah, it's an interesting ending to the film. I well, think if he's depressed it's getting on the helicopter, he'll be depressed when he gets back into bloody Vladivostok yeah, or whatever, he... and the regime's yeah. collapsing, and there's no jobs or money. Wait till, or wait, till ex- wait till you have to explain what happened in the valley <laughs> to, to your you know your commissar. That's going to be a fun one for you. Imagine writing that, writing that report, and then some women threw boulders down and crushed all my friends. <laughs> Jesus. And, and I got, happened. And they dragged me through a valley, and I almost hit that rock face about ten times. <laughs> I constantly shake. <laughs> Pull me up. Pull me I'm up. I'm spinning, spinning uncontrollably. <laughs> helicopter, helicopter. Oh, anyway. <laughs> but no, that, that, that you, you are right. Getting back on track there, we always got a bit avant garde. <laughs> Getting back on track though, that we really do. The opener just sets up the tone for the movie. You've got a thoroughly mm. unlikable enemy. You've got uh, I wouldn't say plucky, but you've got a determined set of uh, rebel fighters that want to take revenge, and they have motive. They're not just out for blood for out for blood's sake. They have motive. They've seen their village destroyed that you know their women have been attacked their, their livelihood the goats have been killed you know their mosques been destroyed yeah. so it's classic motive it's cat and mouse all the way through um and it's it's just this sort of it's this perfect sort of melange of hatred that just goes throughout the whole movie the crew are paranoid at the mm. start because they don't know what to expect they don't care they don't want to learn about the afghans the only character that does gets ostracized they leave him on a rock yeah. to die because he mm, says no, you know, you, you there's so much going on. Like there's you almost and that's forget. a great scene. That's a great there's scene. So many. There's so many. It's it's just a very good film. Like I can't really fault it this week. I, it's one of and I know we watched it together and that might have um affected my my view time, but we 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 were like looking at each other going, Wow, you know, this is something yeah. and it it really is. So maybe we should just slide into final thoughts like we do. Yeah, um, yeah. So as I said at the start, it's Douglas Milsom's cinematography that really does make this movie just so thoroughly watchable and enjoyable. Like it it just adds so much depth to everything and and nothing's missed. Everything's intentional, moody. You feel lonely. You feel just as lonely as the men in the tank. You feel like there's no one else in Afghanistan at that that time. You're desolate. Even the helicopter coming in and coming out, it shows the vastness of that region. It's perfectly perfectly staged and every frame is could be piece of art really this film it does feel more arty than we have covered it previously um it's in the same vein as platoon leader the script might not be fantastic but the cinematography and the mise-en-scene pulls you through it and it's in my it's in my sort of list of war movies the score's you should see and the score's fantastic as well yeah it's like this synthy 80s type thing that doesn't outstay its welcome um, mm. it, there's more traditional action music when it needs to be, but there's not too much of it. Mm. Um, and it just came, and I came away from it not feeling for anybody, but in a good way. Like it made me think a lot more. It's more cerebral watch than a oh, can't wait for the next explosion. You know, it's a more, more like cerebral watch. watch than Rambo. Yeah, yeah, more Obviously. respectful to the overall war. And the actual themes of that conflict and how yeah, brutal it yeah. was on both sides. It doesn't caricature the Russians. No. 
and it doesn't have a stupid it portrays it portrays them as brutal but that is the kind of war that they were yeah. fighting and it doesn't um, do that thanks thanks to the brave mujahideen fighters that rambo 3 does at the end um yeah that weird yeah. sort of always always makes me smile does mm-hmm. yeah like <laughs> it won't be saying that in 20 years um you know fighting the cold war on film that's what the americans did didn't they um it's just it's just a good movie isn't it it's a i can understand why it's cult as i said it perfectly i wrote here perf, perfectly encapsulates the russians leaving afghanistan battered and broken just like the tank the boulders crashing down around the tank at the end is a fantastic metaphor for the end of the russian invasion and the crumbling regime at home and i've said it a lot but that's how it feels to me even if it wasn't intended mm. it's a perfect metaphor for that end of that yeah. war because it it really did send a shockwave through to the Kremlin and it really sort of forms the modern Russia that we have now, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. It, it is. It is beautifully shot. It's well paced. The performances are great. Um, I really like um, Eric Abari as uh, Samad. Mm. And his, his, his complex character of being an Afghan who has sided with the Russians and uh, he's gone to university. Um, I think in Russia it's mentioned and mm. he's the second in command of the tank um but the prejudice of the tank commander sees him relegated to just menial tasks yeah and obviously he doesn't trust him because he murders him in cold blood yeah um, puts like round a dushka in him doesn't he yeah yeah he, he's doing his afternoon prayers and then that seems to tip Tank commander, tank boy over the edge, sends him into the river mm. to test the depth because they're going to ford the river um, and shoot him. And it's yeah. a very striking sequence because you, you kind of feel it's coming, but you don't know whether he's going to really do it and, or whether Jason Patrick is going to prevent it from happening again because that is part of the build up and the tensions yeah. between yeah. The, the tank commander and Jason Patrick's character. Um, I th- I think I think the tank commander performance is excellent. It has that obsessiveness that's almost Captain Ahab like, where yeah, it's almost yeah. Moby Dick within Moby Dick, where the Afghans have their own obsession of again revenge, but at the same time the tank commander is obsessed with completing his mission, taking yeah. retribution against Patrick when he when he realizes that you know he's sided with the the Afghans. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's a very interesting film, and we haven't even mentioned the uh, portrayal of chemical weapons use. You yeah. know, with the poisoning of the wells. Yeah, there's that, and the the impacts that has on not only the Afghans but also the Russians. You know, Dale die ends up dying because of they all drink the water, drinking tainted water. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then that, and, and then that, that comes is to bite. Really them, interesting nuance. Because mm. mm. then they can't use the water to replenish the tank, cool yeah. the radiator, all that other mm. stuff. Um, it's exactly. a real paranoia, paranoia sort of kind of movie, isn't it? I really do think it sort of mm. just descends into this madness that no one really gets out of because at the end, everyone everyone's affected. Everyone everyone comes well, away. The, the from tank it. commanders there talking about sacrificing themselves to um, uh, Stephen yeah. Baldwin and, and the other member of the crew um, when they're inside the tank and the the he's uh, probably like Stalin, isn't he? Them. Everything's everything. Yeah, nothing yeah. He, he, tank. You know, Behave, yeah. for, the, for the for the motherland, he wants to just mm. blow himself up, hands hands him out some F one grenades, and he's like, "We're yeah. gonna do it." Um, and they're like, "No, we're not." 
Yeah. Yeah. They end up like wrestling it out of his hand. Yeah, they, they're like, they're like oh, um, mad. Like, we're not doing that. Yeah. It's great. Um, but yeah, it's such it, a good film. It's a great film and I would highly recommend it. Yeah, no, it would. And we don't really have a leaderboard of movies, but if they're, then I do a thing on TikTok, um, which is war movies to watch before you die. And this is going on the list. I'll mm. make one about it because, you, yeah. you know, we, we know that the, the supporting cast don't not ever come up trumps because they come up trumps every time when they pick a movie. But this is an, uh, this is one that I'm really pleased that was picked because it's just yeah. a real treat in, in the sea. Of... And it's one I hadn't seen before as well. No. Went into, went into it completely fresh. Yeah, it was on the shelf. Um, my cat chose it, didn't he? Actually, do you remember? He did. Yeah, yeah. We we. What was the other one we had? We held Red up for Dawn. him. Um, Red Dawn. Yeah, because they both had Russians in. So we were like, right, we've narrowed it yes. down. We can't pick. We were like, yeah, we're like two beers in or something. Rob brought his entire DVD collection down. I did, and we were like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's about hundred DVDs. Cat's gonna so have to pick because we can't pick. <laughs> so Baz picked for us. The beast, the miniature beast, chose the big beast film. Barry came through for us. Barry came through. There we go. Foth mascot, Barry the cat. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was The Beast, 1988. If you can find a copy online, please purchase it. It's uh, going to be a great addition to your collection. Or just rent it online and enjoy it. Um, and thanks to the patrons yet again. If you, As we said at the start of the show, if you want to support us on Patreon, keep the lights on, keep the mics working here at Foth HQ. That'd be much appreciated. But obviously, we just appreciate any listen, any review that you can give us. Really helps the show. And don't forget, next week, we have a huge show coming up for you. Um, if you're listening now, if you're listening in the future, you can go and listen to it now. Um, but uh, if you're listening in real time, next week, we drop our Dam Busters anniversary special. So it's 80 years since Operation Chastise with 617 Squadron uh, blew up those dams on the Ruhr. And we have two fabulous guests to join us to talk about that uh, cinematic masterpiece. We have Al Murray and James Holland from the We Have Ways podcast joining us um, specially. So please uh, look out for that one when it drops. It's going to be fabulous. It's going to be great. So look out for that one and we'll catch you next week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.